0: The Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. I'd like to talk to you about your life today. How's that? Your life, this, this is my topic. Your life, God's plan. Your life, God's plan. Now, a lot of us, you know, over the years, especially me, have been taught that, you know, we have to seek out things like spiritual gifts and fruits and stuff. But, you know, according to the word of God, we have them all. We have everything. And literally, God's plan for our life is us. Your life is God's plan from the beginning of time. You've always been on his heart. You've always been his. Let's turn in the Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, workmanship, amen, created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, even before we knew it, even before we understood it. That we should walk in them. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, For we are his masterpiece. I like that translation. We are his masterpiece. With all the same stuff that goes with it. We are his, another another translation I just read says, We are his work of art. You know? We are his work of art. We are his canvas that he paints on. Amen? We are God's design created by our union with Christ for good things to come, for a life of goodness. We talked about that. We sang about that this morning. Goodness in the land of the... We're the living. Amen? For just as surely as mankind was included in the death and the resurrection of Christ, so are we included in the ascension of Christ. In the ascension of Christ. When we become secure in the knowledge of our true identity of Christ, it becomes easier and easier to serve in love for others around us. It's easy. That's why there's many books out there now that's called Effortless. Effortless to serve, effortless to love. One of my newest books that I'm reading is called Effortless Provision from the throne of God, Effortless. I say, can you say Effortless? I don't know about you, but I love a Christianity that's effortless, amen, I that's already finished and done, and I just get to enjoy it. I get a whole lifetime to discover it, and I can't get enough of it, amen? Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, well, let's start, I'm going to start in verse uh, 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. We have the mind of Christ. Verse 6 says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, Jesus, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. That was Jesus. He came in the likeness of who we are. And it describes, that, that verse really describes for us the incarnation, an act in which God humbled himself and took the form of a servant. I mean oh, God was hidden in Christ. And the whole time he was here on the earth, so was the holy spirit, they were all together. So God himself became a servant to mankind, yet he was not reduced in person or dignity. He became the man without ceasing to be God in any way. He was still always God. But he was able to become like man to show us that we are supernatural beings. We are incredible creatures of God. He wasn't had embarrassed to be a man. And we shouldn't be embarrassed to be who we are, man or woman. doesn't matter. Amen? And the ascension is the glorification of Christ and of the man in Christ. It is the act which God honors Christ and in so doing restores man, us, to the place and position of glory. We, we share in his glory. When we know who we are in Christ, we share in his glory that he intended for us even, in the, as the Bible says in many instances, before the foundation of the world. That's just, you know, that's why I, can, I believe that all of us in this room are living older than Methuselah. Because the per guy only lived 969 years old. And we're way beyond that if we, came, if we were here before the foundation of the world. And that's what the Bible says. You know, we may not feel that old because we're supernaturally, supernaturally charged by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. And when we die, we don't die. We just transition. There's no death. There's just transition. The only thing that dies is the earth suit, and we leave it behind. You know, we just let it stay here. Put it in a you know coffin, throw it in the ground, and let it do what's it got to do until it's time to go. For us, if it, if we have to have it, get it back. God will know how to get it back. Amen. See, the ascension is the truth in which man is elevated again. To the place of union with God. Just as God became man without ceasing to be God, so man has been united with God without ceasing to be man. How do you like that one? You want me to repeat it? (laughs) Just as God became man without ceasing to be God, so man has been united with God without ceasing to be man. See, union with God does not consume man, but rather it releases man to be who truly it was created to be. And that's what we get in Christ. We get an image and a likeness of God that we couldn't have any other way. See, we remain distinctly human in our union with God. The word that was in the beginning, even before space and time, entered our reality but remained the God beyond The limits of space and time. See, in the ascension, we are raised with Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When? Not just on Sunday mornings. All the time. Every day, 24-7, 365 days a year. And in the ascension, we're raised with Christ to our eternal existence in this world and beyond Beyond the limits of space and time. We are already in the eternal now. We're we're there. We just don't get it. Because there's so much stuff around us that tries to bring us down to its level. Amen. And we also remain in this world in order to redeem time and give God space to manifest in this realm. How does he manifest? Through us. Wherever we go, whatever happens, wherever, whatever we're doing, we are letting, letting God manifest himself in the earthly realm. And knowing now that you are raised with Christ in his resurrection to the same place in heaven, you have the same authority seated in the strength of God's right hand. And now knowing you are there in that eternal place, God's throne room, those thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by the earthly soul-ruled realm, the sight realm. See, our union with His death has broken our association with this present world. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He lives within me. Something happened. Where did we start? In Galatians 2.20. Amen? Amen. It's our new creation start. See, our our reunion with that death broke our association with this present world. And the truth of your life now is, in fact, that you are wrapped up with Christ in God. You're hidden in Christ with God. And every time that Christ is revealed, we too are being revealed. Every time. Every time Christ is revealed, we too are being revealed. See, the same glory Christ has, we have it too. And the glory of His image and likeness being united together with Him. The right hand of God is a place of authority. Above this earthly realm and is now our new place of living. Say, I have authority in Christ. Amen. That's why you can call those things that are not as though they are. You can call things that are not as though they are. You have that ability to speak it. But you sometimes have to be reminded because... You know, sometimes we have a little stonado going up here. You know, stonado in Italian means a hard head. You know, sometimes you got a little hard head going on because we forget about who we are in Christ. But this is our new reality, a place where we must become acquainted with on a daily basis. This place cannot be accurately described in terms of space and time, for it is the eternal realm beyond the limits of space and time. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. This is talking pretty deep stuff here about Jesus, spiritual gifts, starting in verse 7. Talks about in verse 8 that he descended, and verse 9, then he ascended. And then it explains, he, verse 10 says, Ephesians four ten. he who descended is also the one who ascended, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So if we died with him, amen, and we were buried with him, and when we, he rose, we rose, that means we also ascend with him to a place on the right hand of God in spiritual authority over all space and time. Are you with me? See, our created time and space has been invaded by the Creator Himself because He fills both creation and the realm beyond creation. See, the eternal realm that I'm speaking of today is not far from any one of us. It's right here, it's it's around us, it's in us, it's with us all the time. We're in eternity now. You know what stops us from believing that? This thing between our two ears. You know, our default mindset that keeps wants to go back to the old man. But we can't think that way. For the limits of space and time are all around us, but in him, as it says in the book of Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. Amen? Again, where is the throne room? Where is the heavenly place? Wherever Christ, and then where is Christ? In us. Amen? For Christ is the place and the moment where God and man encounter each other face to face. Every time, you can look it up, the bread, every time we take that bread, it's the bread of his presence. It means face to face. Face to face. Without division. Without separation without confusion. See, in Christ, it's our new beginning, brand new. We have to discover a lot of new things. Things that we didn't understand before we got saved. And once we get saved, everything changes. See, Jesus is the radiant and flawless expression of the person of God. Radiant and flawless. Two powerful words. Amen? And he makes the glory, the intent of God visible and exemplifies the character and every attribute of God in human form. That's why I like to say all the time, when you meet Jesus, you meet you. Because Jesus came to show you who you are. Everything that Jesus got, you get. Because he's living in you. And you need a lifetime to discover all of that. (laughs) Amen? See, the, fi- the powerful fi- fi- final utterance of God as seen in his resurrection in his ascension and in the incarnation is the vehicle that carries the weight of the universe. He is the central theme of everything that exists. <laughs> we don't need American history. All we need is the cross because the cross changed everything. See, the content of his message celebrates the fact that God took it upon himself to successfully cleanse and acquit mankind. All of mankind's been acquitted already, but a lot of them just haven't said, whosoever yet. I want some. I'll take that. It's mine. Amen? I tell people all the time, and if you ever get in a prophetic meeting and somebody's getting prophesied on, all you have to say is, I want some. Whatever's being prophesied, I want that too. Because you get it just as much as they get it. Because you have Christ inside of you. Amen? And so the content of his message celebrates the fact that God took it upon himself to successfully cleanse and equip mankind. And Jesus is now where? Where's he sitting? At the right hand of the Father. Seated in the boundless measures of his majesty. And he occupies the highest seat of authority in which our righteousness is represented. If you really looked up in the Greek and studied the word righteousness in the New Testament, it means innocence. When you are given the gift, Romans 5 says that we've been given a gift of righteousness in Christ. That gift is to gift a gift to bring back to you the knowledge of your innocence. Your innocent. Totally by the power of God. Amen? See, there is nothing in God's reference to man that reminds him of sin. For he has completely and finally dealt with it in Christ. All our sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. Put your, try to wrap your mind around some of that. Yeah. Man, I just tell you, I've got to always fight some crazy voice inside of me that says, that ain't true. And I says, well, yes, it is. You need to get away from me, whoever you are. I don't even recognize you as whoever. Everybody else rec- 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 recognizes you as. Because according to 1 John 3, 8 and Hebrews 2, 14, you were defeated on the cross. Now, if the world wants to acknowledge him, go ahead, have fun with them. But I don't, I'm not giving you no place here. Not in my mind, not in my spirit, not in my soul, okay? See, we are now defined by Christ. Christ defines us. And in him all things find their meaning. See, the summary and conclusion of man's identity and worth is found in Christ. Where's my identity? It's in him. Some guy that I know just yesterday on Twitter has some friends who were serving Christ. And all of a sudden, he said they slid back. I said, there's no backslidden Christians. It's just Christians who lost their identity. They forgot who they were. They forgot what Jesus did for them. And they allowed other things to define them. See, in the new covenant, it's a mistaken identity. It's a mistaken identity. And once you find that identity, you're in. Just like the prodigal son when he came home. He had no idea. He He had a litany of things he wanted to tell the father. And he didn't even want to be a son. He just wanted to be a servant in the father's house. And the father says, no way. You're... When you, even when you sinned and went out like an idiot and practiced all those things that you did and you came back home, you're still my son. You never lost your sonship. You just got a mistaken identity. Let's get it straight on who you are. That goes for us, too. That goes for us, too. We can slip away. And he's right there to bring us back. Right, Bill? <laughs> Me and Bill have those conversations all the time. But the summary and conclusion of man's identity and worth found, he is seated and at rest within our reality. And we are in him and seated with him. And we no longer have to live within the guilt and the contradiction that created the world through Adam. And we have an origin that began before Adam and was restored in Christ. An origin that began before Adam. Say, my origin was before Adam. It is. He found us in Christ before we were ever lost in Adam. Are you still in the book of Ephesians? Let's go to chapter 1. It says in Ephesians 1, 4, just as he, speaking of Jesus Christ, just as he chose us in him, when we chosen before the foundation of the world. If we were chosen before the foundation of the world, we were in Christ long before we were lost in Adam. To meditate. Just as he chose us in him when? Before the foundation of the world. The foundation of the world was long before Adam was created. Amen? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, when our true identity in Christ is revealed, the truth about you is simultaneously revealed, who you are in Christ. And whenever Christ is revealed, according to Colossians 3, 4, whenever Christ is revealed, you are revealed with him. Colossians 3, 4 says that. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's why I say you got the glory already. Don't be looking for glory. It's already on you, in you, around you. Amen? Amen. And we cannot separate the proclamation of Christ from the revelation of our place with Him, within Him. And that's why Apostle Paul summarized the mystery of the gospel. Let's go there and look at that verse in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul says, of which I became, verse 25, a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What is he talking about? Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to us. I put that us in there to us, his saints. To his saints. The mystery, which was hidden for mages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, us. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, (coughs) which is Christ in you. (coughs) Christ in you, the hope of glory. (coughs) In him, it says, verse 28, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working, which works where? In me. And how does it work? Mightily, powerfully, without any limits of space and time. See, Christ is only in those who have made a confession of Him to come into them. Darkness cannot fellowship with light. Why don't people like certain things in our world? Because darkness can't fellowship with light. Why do you offend certain people and they don't want to be around you? Because darkness can't fellowship with light. You can be an offense to darkness because you're light. Didn't Jesus say you're the light of the world? So in his resurrection, we were restored and translated into God's reality, the kingdom of light. And time itself has been redeemed as God and man meet face to face in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our new eternal present. The new reality of our existence now on earth. We are supernatural beings. We're no longer human. I know that's tough for some of us to get to. We're human in some sense, but in most sense, in the spiritual sense, we're supernatural. We're eternal, and we're never going to die. Your spirit's never going to die. It'll just, it'll just slip out of the suit and move right on into the new, new, new environment that's all around us. And not only were we united with God in His death and resurrection, but we were raised with Him in heavenly places. I read that to you. I quoted that to you, but let's go look at it so we have it together. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I don't know, verse 5 says, We were dead in trespasses, but made alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Verse 6 says, And raised us up together. Raised us up together. Raised us up together. Amen? And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, our ascension is the glorification of our being a new man to the place and the position that he prepared us permanently in union with Christ. Permanently. And all this is of God. He alone accomplished it without our help, without our permission. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, we can do nothing against the truth, only for it. Let's go look at that scripture. That's a pretty powerful word there. Amen? 2 Corinthians 13. Hardly ever go. A lot of people even want to go there. Don't even want to read them words. And that's in here. But it says in that one little verse, that's stuck in between 7 and 9, it says, 2 Corinthians 13, 8, for we can do nothing against the truth. We could do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. See, in the simplest of language, it implies literally, you have to understand something. Christ's resurrection proclaimed that we are now reconciled to God. Because of the resurrection, we're reconciled. And the word reconciliation is used in a very intimate way in Scripture. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, Now all things are of God. Doesn't that say to you or say to me that everything is God, around God, or everything is with God. or It says, now all things are of God, who has, what, reconciled us to himself. Did we reconcile ourselves to him, or did he reconcile himself to us through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation? So I think it begs to understand what, this reconciliation is all about. Amen? If I have the ministry of reconciliation, I'd like to know what it's about. And verse 19 says that is that God was in Christ. That God was in Christ. I could shake your world right now, but I'm not going to go there with that thought. (laughs) Reconciling the world to himself. Not just a select few of people who say yes to Jesus. Reconciling the world to Himself. Amen? Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. See, in the simplest of language, reconciliation means, you'll understand this, to kiss and make up. Reconciliation means to kiss and make up. Sloppy wet kiss, like that love, reckless love. But reconciliation is proclaiming that God gave us, that God gave us a divine kiss, and that he was in Christ reconciling the world to us, and in Christ, becoming flesh, becoming man, God embraced our humanity he kissed our being. <laughs> See it in a different light. See, there's no, dis- no distance, any- distance any longer between God and man because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And reconciliation means an intimate kiss, and this kiss was not a temporary event. And so what is our proper response to God when he kisses us? Kiss him back. Amen. Amen. If God's going to give me a divine kiss, what am I going to do? Say to God, I don't want no kiss. I don't want your kiss, you know. No, my, my response is kiss back. Because you are already initiated by a God kiss. That's what the word reconciliation means. So, reconciliation is a complete fact as far as we are concerned because we accepted his invitation to be reconciled, but it's also a continual act for those who yet need to accept Christ. How many of you know there's a lot of people in the world that need God's kiss? Amen? And it comes in the person of Jesus Christ, who died for them on the cross, was resurrected again, and then ascended. Amen? And so does it matter what we believe, Pastor Mike? Does it really matter what what we believe? You better betcha it matters what you believe. Faith releases the benefit of truth. Faith releases the benefit of truth. See, it's possible to continue to live in ignorance and miss out on the enjoyment of what God has done for us. There's a lot of people missing it. There's a lot of people in this world that are missing this. In fact, there's a lot of Christians that are missing it because they're stuck in law. They're stuck in doo doo. Yeah, doo doo. How many know what doo doo is? It's what people walk around the neighborhood in blue bags with. You know, pick it up after they follow their dog somewhere. You know, it's called doo doo. You know? I'd rather have the, it is done, it is finished, amen? And live in the rest of effortless provision and effortless love and effortless grace and live at rest, amen? Because it is possible to continue living by our own strength and effort and ignoring the place of rest he prepared. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Verse 17, it says, For it, in it, for in it, what's in it? That's verse, if you go up to the next verse, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who what? Every, does belief matter? For everyone who what? Who believes? You gotta believe. For the Jew first, and also for the Gentile, the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen? And it's from whose faith? God's faith. That's the key. Not our faith. God gives us the faith when he gives us Jesus. When you get get Jesus in your heart, he gives you the faith to imitate him. Because in your own humanity, in your own personal life, you can't do it. If you're trying to get somebody to have faith in God without being born again, you got problems. You're going to have a fight on your hand and it ain't going to be pretty. And you're going to come out not smelling good. Because here's how this translation reads, literally. It says, the secret of the gospel is this. God did it right in Christ. The righteousness of God means that what happened in Christ happened to us. That's why when I read about Jesus in the Bible, I get excited. You can ask my wife. Sometimes I'll be sitting in the house moving like crazy. And she says, "Uh uh-oh, he's got some more of that Jesus stuff going on. See, his faith, his faith, God's faith, ignites me. Makes me different. It compels me to love those I don't really like to love. Amen? compels me to love my neighbor who is, you know, tough to love. Things they do is not pleasing to me. Amen? You don't have no neighbors like that, I know. But he's convinced about our mankind and now persuades us to believe what he knows to be true about us. See, the prophets wrote in advance about this life of righteousness, which would be based on faith and not on personal performance. We don't live on personal performance anymore. We just need one performer. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? You see, it's God's faith that ignites our faith. And that's why Apostle Paul could say, could say in Galatians, let's go to Galatians 2.20. I know you know that one by heart, but let's just read it together. Galatians 2.20, what he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Amen? But Christ lives in me. Where's Jesus? Inside me. He's not up there. He could be. He could be in both places. He's able to do it. (laughs) Amen? And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith. I live by faith. And where do I get my faith? From God. He ignites my faith but he has to come in and ignite it and give me his. Amen? And the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Faith is not something we generate ourselves. The faith of God is contained within the declaration of the gospel. The gospel is good news. Amen? We can receive it or reject it, but we can never invalidate it or replace it with our own persuasions, our own thoughts, our own, li- our own thinking. We can't do it. And when we understand the reality of what God has done for us, and with man in Christ Jesus, we are in Christ Jesus, it does not remove the need for faith, but great, greatly, greatly intensifies it. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But where does that faith come from? Him. He gives it to us. Man, I tell you, He never lets us down. He never gives us anything that we don't need. Amen? And we have it all. And when we see the reality of God's opinion of us and how that contrasts with the reality of our experience in this life, it creates a confrontation that demands that we make a choice. Are we going to love Jesus, serve Him, or are we just going to stay in this mess out there? And keep believing the lies about ourselves. You know how many people believe the lies about them because of how they were raised, or how people shape, shaped their lives as they were growing up, or how the professor said who they were when they were in college and what they should be doing? You know how many lives are being ruined today by voices that speak lies? When there's a total different voice available to us in Christ? Amen. Do we want to live in God's reality, or do we want to continue in the chaos and in the deception of our own opinions? Let's go to the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 21. Verse 19. I'm just going up real quick. You don't have to go there, John. It says, So them, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. Therefore, he says... Lay aside all filthiness. Where do you find filthiness? Out there in the world. Lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Amen? Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing in his natural face in the mirror. And he sees himself, he observes himself, but he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, can I tell you what that is? It's the new covenant. That's what it is. It's the new covenant. Because what we receive in Christ, nobody else in any other generation ever got before Jesus came. They didn't get it. They got some visitations. But in Christ, we get a habitation. When Jesus comes in, he's there. Amen? He's there. And continues in it, that law of liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, This one will be blessed in what he does. See, what we learn here is that God is for us. He's not against us. Romans chapter 8. God is for us, not against us. Amen? And God does make some decisions for us way before we make decisions for him. He does things for us before we could ever make a decision. He makes decisions before us, before we make decisions. He says, you going to agree with this thing? Are you going to go out on your own power and then back in your own chaos and all your own deception? Or are you just going to go ahead and believe what I'm doing for you is better than you can ever imagine? Because your life, saints of God, your life is God's plan. Amen? See, God chose us and demonstrated his choice in Christ beyond doubt. See, God in Christ's decision is to be one with you and to be reconciled to you. What do you get when you get reconciled? You get a divine kiss. And he's just asking you, will you kiss me back? To make his companion for life and eternity. It was God's choice to destroy our guilt to destroy our shame and the debt of sin and sickness and disease and to unite us in the resurrection of Christ and to raise us up together with him and seat us together with him in heavenly places based on all the above choices he made for us. And this is for you to understand. It's just a short list. I'm giving you a short list. I mean, how can we do anything but make a decision for him when we realize his decision for us? God's election for us was demonstrated in the decisive action he took in Christ Jesus for us. His decision was to give himself to us, to lavish his love upon us. And in becoming man, he made known that his will and purpose is to be with us, united with us, as one in us. And it's on this basis of these decisions that we're enabled to make a decision for Him. It increases our ability to say, I want more. I want to go deeper. I want more revelation. I want more understanding. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see more. Amen? And all the stories and prophecies served only as shadows. Everything in the Old Covenant was just a shadow. And shadows that have become irrelevant in the light of substance that we get in Christ. Jesus is the substance. Why would you want to go run back to a shadow? A lot of the church is still running back to shadows. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go back. And be like the Jews and bring that into Christianity. They, they do it today, all around the country. When Jesus fulfilled everything, he fulfilled the Sabbath, and he fulfilled every feast. He is the feast. He is the substance. Why go back to the shadow? And when God spoke his final words in Christ, there is no longer any room for any other topic outside of the revelation of Christ. There's no other topic. And what God did in Jesus, the final utterance is so powerful that we cannot in any way excuse ourselves from this conversation. Amen? Let's go to Hebrews. Okay? Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. Hebrews 1.1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Now don't be running on here and say, Pastor Mike doesn't believe in prophets in the new covenant. I do. But they only get to do three things. The new covenant prophet. Exhort, encourage, and comfort. Exhort, edify, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14.3. That's the scripture for prophets of the new covenant. All the other stuff. Is a shadow. Here's the substance. How many of Hebrews is new covenant? Amen? He spoke in times past to our fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days. Now, last days doesn't mean end of time. It means the end of the old covenant. Go do some research. And try to make me wrong has in these last days spoken to us. How did he speak to us? By his Son, Jesus, who's the substance. He's our substance. Amen? Whom he has appointed, God's appointed, Jesus, heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance attained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. You can go on and on and on and on with this stuff, boy. But I'm telling you, when Jesus came, a lot of things ended. And the church can't get it. They still want to dabble, 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 dabble in the old and old and old and old. They don't want to come into the new. They don't want, hurry, the book of Hebrews means to cross over into the new. That's what it means. Look it up. It's just not a book. It's a revelation. In every religion and philosophy, word remains word. Religion remains theory. And philosophy remains a guess. But in Christ, everything remains. Because in him, all things consist. And he created the worlds. That's what the book of Colossians says to us. Amen? And then in Hebrews chapter 12, let's see what this one says. I'll, I'll mention it, but I may not, I may not re- say it out loud. But this, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, it says this. After it says, Jesus is the mediator. The next verse above, 25, verse 24, says, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. I mean, we're in a better covenant. I mean, Jesus is a better covenant. Amen? And verse 25 says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Man, he is speaking loud. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks to us from heaven. The final utterance is so powerful that we cannot in any way excuse ourselves from this conversation. We can't. Take your lead from Jesus. He's your reference to a complete life. Yesterday is being confirmed today, and tomorrow mirrors tomorrow. Today mirrors tomorrow. What God spoke to us in Christ is as relevant now as it was in the prophetic past and will always be in the eternal future. See, what God began in Christ, He now continues in Christ in us. In us, say in us. And it's inexhaustible. And here's my final thought for you today. Love never stops believing. Never stops believing in the best for you. Love, or ne- love never stops hoping, ever. And love never runs out of patience. And love never fails. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? And church, this is the good news. The good news is your life is God's plan. You can't run from it. He's only gonna come after you anyway. Because he chose you. <clears throat> John 15, 16 says he chose you. Long before you chose him. And he's gonna make a lot of decisions for you long before you'll make decisions for him. But he won't stop. Because he wants an everlasting, eternal relationship with you. Face to face. Face to face. How close does he want to get? Face to face. Face to face. the good news of the reality of what God did for us and what Jesus did on behalf, he redeemed all of our original design.